Welcome to World Footprints Radio, the show where we celebrate responsible travel, culture, and heritage. Featuring your hosts, Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick. Now, World Footprints Radio. It's a great day to travel. Well, hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us today on World Footprints Radio. We're your hosts, Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick, broadcasting from our studio in the Metro Washington, D.C. area. And we're happy to welcome you back, and we have some exciting guests to share with you today. I know you're pretty excited about our first guest here, and if you frequented Genoa City or have flown the friendly skies, then you know actress Kate Linder from the number one daytime soap, The Young and the Restless. Kate takes time from her busy schedule to talk about her journeys and the causes that drive her to make a difference in the world. Then, as travelers seek more purposeful journeys, bringing peace to the world is a motivation for many travelers. Luda Moore, founder and president of the International Institute for Peace Through Tourism, will join us to share how travel and tourism can promote international understanding and cooperation. Finally, Casey Wall, better known as the Getaway Girl, shares her transformational travel story and how that led to the creation of a unique city-specific travel guide series for women worldwide, as well as some fall getaway ideas. As always, if you have a question or comment, write to us at comments at worldfootprints.com. And of course, during the week, we'd love for you to connect to us, and certainly you can follow us in real time by joining our social networks, and uh, you can find links to all of those things from our website, worldfootprints.com, and while there, you can also connect to our mobile platform, Stitcher, which will allow you to carry us with you on any smartphone that you may have, and uh, also, whilst there, sign up for our newsletter, we've been giving away We've been giving away lots of great prizes uh, since June. We started Christmas early this year, and uh, we'll continue giving away more great travel gifts as we approach the holiday season. Well, if you frequented Genoa City or have flown the friendly skies, then you'll recognize our next guest. For nearly three decades, Kate Linder has played Esther Valentine, the confidant housekeeper to Catherine Chancellor, on the number one daytime drama, The Young and the Restless. When Kate is not living in the Chancellor Mansion, she is flying the friendly skies of United Airlines, traveling on USO trips to visit our troops or lobbying in Washington, D.C. on behalf of the ALS Association. But at this moment, Kate is spending time with us on World Footprints Radio, and we're very happy to welcome her. Welcome, Kate. Thank you, honey. I'm glad to be there with you guys. <laughs> now, you've gone from being cast for a one-time, one-line role 27 years ago to being a staple on The Young and the Restless. How did that happen? Well, um, I, I went in on a, a general interview, and um, and yes, and I I was cast for that. And fortunately, they kept they liked what I did, I guess, and they kept asking me back. And now it's actually over twenty eight years now. I've been there. So. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Now, did you did you give your character uh, the surname of Valentine? Because I know you well, were married on that day. Well, you know, it's it's interesting the whole name thing because in the beginning I didn't have any name at all, and um, Jeannie Cooper, who plays my boss, Mrs. Chancellor. I mean, one day uh, she just started calling me Esther, and fortunately I responded, and then other people started calling me that, and that's how uh, I got the first name. And then <laughs> then later, Bill Bell, uh, who who was the creator and uh, genius behind uh, Young and the Restless. Uh, 
he said, well, you know, we could have a contest for the last name. And so we did. It was a national contest, and then there were several names came in that he, he picked. And he said, okay, you can have your choice of, of these names. And I, I remember one was uh, Valentine's Day and one was Diamond. Mm-hmm. And then and and so I I picked Valentine's Day because I was because I've been I was married on that day, so I thought that would be good luck, and it certainly was. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Now, Kate, you've had a very interesting personal journey. It's a testament in faith, tenacity, and good timing. Definitely. Talk to us about uh, the path that you've taken and 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 some of the things that kind of resonate with you as you look back across this extraordinary trip you've had thus far? Well, you, uh, just it's just been an amazing thing. I, I uh, Young and the Restless is just an unbelievable uh, show. I'm so proud to be part of it. It's the number one show. And, uh, and it's afforded me opportunities to also give back in so many different ways. As I'm celebrity spokesperson for the ALS Association, and I've done over four USO tours, and uh, I, I've just been able to to continue and, and to give back because of them, and 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 I'm honored to be able to do so. Now you mentioned the USO, and 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 I know that you've entertained the troops. You've spent Thanksgivings with them in Afghanistan, Pakistan, and Korea. And you've spent many of your holidays feeding the homeless in L.A. I can imagine that these have been personally transformative experiences for you. Talk about some of these experiences. Well, you know, you, it, can, it just really puts things into perspective, especially, you know, going down to the mission in, in Los Angeles. And I do that, you know, Christmas time and Thanksgiving time, Easter time, just because you realize, I mean, we, every, it's hard times now for everyone. I mean, as we all know, but just to be able to to be there, and I, I especially love what they do because uh, we we serve them, and and I think that's great. They sit down and have a meal, and we're we're able to to serve them. They're not standing in line waiting for food, and um, I really enjoy that. So I I do that every year, and it just it just to see a smile on someone's face. And it just makes it all worth it. Now, have you, um, when you're either on a USO uh, tour or feeding the, um, um, at, you know, working at the missions during the holidays, um, how how funny is that for the the uh, the people that you're 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 serving and, and entertaining to see you um, you know this this staple really from the young and the restless. Um, entertaining or or working with them have have they ever confused you or called you by your uh, your stage name esther valentine at oh, all yeah well but, oh sure but i answer to that <laughs> I, I definitely <laughs> answer to esther i uh when we went we when we were uh in uh korea i believe it was or it might have been afghanistan one of one of the uso tours I know at Thanksgiving time, and they said to me, you know, there is this young woman that's her post is, you know, she's uh, on guard duty, and she wasn't going to be able to come in to have dinner, and she, and I and she was a huge fan of the show, and so I said, oh, please, you know, take me to where she is. 
so we went there, and you know, I got to meet her, and and she said to me, uh, "Oh my gosh, this is the best Thanksgiving I've ever had," and <laughs> and that just meant so much to me because here she's there, you know, has no family, and and you know, and it, it doesn't matter whether you're for the war or against the war, but. To be there, you know, I'm definitely for the young men and women that are there, so mm-hmm. that we can be here. I can be speaking on, the phone, doing radio interview with you, which you know, it, it's just what these people have to go through. So it was just I, that made me feel really good. I was happy to to. Uh, she, she was so excited to be there. I don't know who got more out of it, her or me, really. <laughs> actually, well, so. I mean, that's a wonderful thing about giving back. If everyone could just give back. Just little bit i mean just think what better you know we'd be in great shape mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> we really would the whole world would be if everyone could just do a little bit like that speaking of the work you're you're doing and and you know the the service of you giving back um i know that your brother-in-law was diagnosed with lou gehrig's disease and you've since become the celebrity spokesperson for the als association what what are some of the the major challenges the association is is facing? Well, you know, they call uh, ALS uh, an orphan disease, but that's not really true. I mean, they call it an orphan disease because they say, well, there aren't the numbers as opposed to people that have cancer. Not that having cancer is a good thing by any means, but but there are just as many people that come down with or that uh, that have contract ALS. It's just that with ALS, people don't survive it. And so, uh, thank God with cancer now, so many people are being able to, to be cured and, 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 to, and to live with it. But with ALS, that is not happening. Mm-hmm. And so, and it is just absolutely horrific disease. You are trapped in your own body. Um, your mind works perfectly well, uh, but nothing else works. Mm-hmm. So... Um, and I know there's a cure out there. It's just that we haven't found it yet. So, I'm, and I'm not giving up until we do. I know that you come to Washington uh, annually every May to go before Congress to right. to offer testimony. What support is uh, the fight on ALS receiving from Washington? Well, you know, it's it's interesting because there are double the incidences of ALS in the military, hmm. which is, I find quite interesting. Double the incidence, you said? Double, yes, double. And wow. so, you know, and so is it because of the toxins? Uh, is it because of the stress? Is it, I mean, who, who knows? And the one thing about ALS, it, it mutates in so many different ways, and that's why it's been so hard to get a handle on it though they they are making strides but the, but the government is getting behind it because of the fact that there are they are they're noticing in the military that double people in the military come down unbelievable come down with so um it's just you know who knows what, what i mean it goes in so many ways some some people it's familial it's in their family some it's not um uh, but it it just men women I mean everybody you know doesn't uh, discriminate on who it uh, on on who is affected with it so um, we just keep going we need of course all of this research takes money and uh, 
know, we just have to keep going and and uh, not give up. Mm. That's, that's it. Kate, one of the things that uh, we did mention about you, and I didn't know this, is that you were a flight attendant with uh, United is. Airlines and still are. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, to me, that's a pretty amazing thing. I used to work in uh, the airline industry on the management side for... Oh. Uh, for, for an airline out there that's no longer around. But I uh, want to talk to you, just from your perspective, how has the world of flying changed in, in, in all of the years that you've been inside of the uh, cabin uh, taking care of folks and making sure their journeys are safe? Well, of course, we've all known since 9-11, you know, it's definitely changed, and it will never be the same again. Um, but... Uh, you know, and it's up to everyone to, you know, to not forget. We can't forget about 9-11, and people can't become complacent. Mm-hmm. And um, I think sometimes people tend to, oh, it's okay, you know, they don't worry about it, they don't think about it anymore. But uh, I think that's a huge mistake. And so, you know, flight attendants, of course, you know, the original flight attendants way back when were nurses. You had to be a nurse to be a flight attendant, mm-hmm. and they were on board for uh, to take care of passengers' medical needs or what, what might happen. And then, of course, I guess they figured it out. Well, hey, hey, they're sitting here not doing anything. We might as well put them to work. <laughs> and, and then, you know, that's how, you know, the profession began. But flight attendants are, are there for people's safety primarily, and we have to know all kinds of things. Actually, I would just want you have to go through training it's called recurrent training. I just finished doing that once a year. Um, it's mandated by the FAA. And you have to know, we have to know how to do all kinds of things. We have to know how to evacuate an airplane, um, you know, give oxygen, um, you know, maybe assist in a birth. You, you, just, don't, you just don't know uh, what you have to be, psychologist. You have to be everything. And um, I think, you know, flying is hard now. It's flying on air. It's hard on everyone. It's hard on the passenger. It's hard on the crews. I mean, just by the time you go through security, you're exhausted. You know, and that's the passenger as well. You know, what it takes to get to the airport, make, you know, get your bags ready, and then you have to go through security, then you have to, you know, by the t- time you get on, your, on the airplane, it's just, you know, it's exhausting. So I think everyone just has to take a deep breath and realize we're all in this together and just to have a little compassion for each other. I can imagine somebody coming on to a flight that you're working and they see this familiar face but they can't quite place you and then all of a sudden the light bulb goes off. Oh yeah, that, <laughs> that happens just about every flight. Hmm. I had That happened the other day uh, and you know, or someone will get up, be getting off and the airplane they'll say, you know, I just can't stand anymore I just had to say you look just like this this person on the other I go, yeah, because that's me. No, I go, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, a lot of people know, but then a lot of people don't. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, but it's it's fun for me. I, I I enjoy it. It's like doing a personal appearance on the airplane. So yeah. we have a great time. In fact, um, when I found out the news about receiving a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, I found out when I was on the airplane. <gasps> And, really? uh, and that was kind of interesting because we were uh, in the middle of changing, um, you know, changing flights and, our, uh, you know, one flight ended and other people were getting back on and, and we had a little bit of time and I just 
check my messages, and that's how I found out. And um, it was unbelievable. And so then the, the captain found out, and he, he announced it to the whole airplane that day. So, <laughs> uh, so it's just been... And that, that was very fitting, actually, that I should find out while I'm <laughs> while I'm working as a, you know flying. So. Do you, do you fly international routes or mostly domestic? I do. Or? I do all kinds, of, but um, but I mainly do domestically because I need uh, need to be around, and mm-hmm. I can still do a trip, a short trip maybe to Denver and back, and still mm-hmm. do an appearance that night mm-hmm. uh, or something like that. So. I, but I do Hawaii, and it depends. Sometimes during the holidays, I'll actually one Christmas I worked a trip to Melbourne, and mm. uh, and then my husband went with me, so that that was sort of fun. Kate, <laughs> you yeah. are certainly one hardworking person. I tip my cap to you. <laughs> well, well, you know what they say: if you want something done, you just you you, you just ask. You just you just keep going. Mm-hmm. But but when do you when do you sleep, my dear? I mean, you you <laughs> honestly, I mean, you you you've driven uh you were in the Toyota Grand Prix celebrity race, you're on the board of Aftra, you're, you know, doing things with the USO and um ALS. I mean, honestly, when do you sleep? <laughs> I don't know. I, I fit it in there some, some somehow, you know. Um I probably should get a little more sleep than I get. <laughs> but uh but but it all works out. I I don't know how sometimes and some days I well how am I gonna I'll get this all done. But but it, it works out. And my husband Ron is is incredible and he's extremely supportive and and uh, he you know he helps out when I when I just can't. There's something I just can't get done. I'll say, you know, honey, can you please go pick this up for me? Or do this? <laughs> I just can't possibly do it. So now, does you know. Ron still teach? Because I know he's a professor at. Yeah, no, he actually he's retired now, but um, but so he was in the drug abuse field and also a prof- professor. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but he's uh, he's he's good guy <laughs> <laughs> so so what is next for you um kate because I, I know you started your acting career on on stage i mean you've done a lot of right. stage work and i'm just wondering will you be will you go back to that or do a little well, bit I, of that I do, yeah I, I love doing theater i i do theater i did a play um maybe a year ago um i like to do that i'm also a dancer singer and i'm working on something right now Ooh. Uh, for that so you know i i um i continually you know keep doing that i loved doing theater because you you get the feed you right you know right then whether you know the audience is with you or not mm-hmm. you know um on television uh you, you know you hope that they they like what you're doing and you hope but you you're not going to know till you actually see it. But on stage, boy, you get that feedback right then. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it, it's it's good though. I like I like to do other things as well, and I do lots of independent features and diff- just to I, I like playing other roles and and doing that. So I'm 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 out there, and so we'll see. I, we'll see. I don't have a play that I'm doing right now, but you just never know. So, do, come up and I'll go, yeah, okay, I'll do that. Do you have a, a website where people can kind of I keep do. up with you? Okay. I do. It's uh, com, and uh, you can access my Facebook and Twitter from there as well. And I, I, 
I have, I'm on top of this, I'm trying. <laughs> so I tweet and, you know, all the time and let people know what's going on and where I am or when I'm on the show. And it's, it's fun to keep up with people that way. Um, I did a thing for St. Baldrick's. I don't know if you know about that charity. Um, uh, and so tweeted, you know, pictures and, and uh, it, it's, it's Good. Well, Kate, it has been such a delight talking to you. Well, I've enjoyed speaking with both of you, and uh, and I'll look forward to that because I do get back there periodically, so hopefully we will all meet. Okay. Kate Winder, thank you very much. When we return, we'll learn how travel and tourism can be a source for peace from Luda Moore of the International Institute for Peace Through Tourism as World Footprints Radio continues. Hi, my name is Eva. I'm from Fiji, and I love listening to World Footprints Radio. For the latest and last-minute travel deals, visit the WorldFootprints.com travel portal to find exclusive non-published sales on travel. Our dynamic travel deals page updates daily with the latest sales from our partners. You can't find these deals anywhere else, and we've seen sales for $9 per night for hotels and $49 airline tickets. So stop by worldfootprints.com to see where you can go for less. Also, make sure you visit the Travel Marketplace for sales on travel essentials and services. Hi, my name is Emmeline. I'm from Korea. I love Footprints Radio. You're listening to World Footprints Radio, awarded as the best travel audio podcast by the North American Travel Journalists Association. Here's Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick. Welcome back. As travelers embark on more purposeful journeys, the concept of peace has become an important part of the conversation. Luda Moore is founder and president of the International Institute for Peace Through Tourism, a United Nations accredited nonprofit organization dedicated to fostering travel and tourism initiatives that contribute to international understanding and cooperation. He joins us today to discuss some of his organization's initiatives. Lou, welcome. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be with you. Tell us about some of your organization's initiatives, its mission, and this overall concept of peace that perhaps seems somewhat elusive uh, for uh, so many nations, so many leaders as we think about it, and maybe bring that in terms of personal terms for individuals as to how they can make a difference. Yes, well, well, thank you very much. In the early 1980s, what you saw was a growing tensions between East and West and uh, the uh, rhetoric of evil empire, um, a growing gap between have and have not regions of the world, uh, a deteriorating environment, and already in the mid 80s, uh, scientists were talking about climate change. And um, particularly in, in the mid 1980s, you had a peaking of terrorism. Um, and, and that terrorism at mainly at the uh, travel industry, the Achille Loro affair, uh, uh, airline hijackings, uh, the airport, Machimo in Rome, and and Vienna, and uh, so with with all of that, uh, uh, in thinking about my future and what I would do, I thought perhaps rather than looking at these trends and how they would affect tourism, how could tourism, which we saw would become the world's largest industry by the year 2000, how could the world's largest industry 
be a positive force for a better world. Hmm. And so uh, we began to uh, promote the idea of uh, tourism as a force for peace. Uh, this is in 1986 when we were first founded. And um, working towards our first global conference in Vancouver in 1988, uh, um, which had a title of Tourism, a Vital Force for Peace. And that conference was quite significant. Uh, we had some 800 people from 67 countries. Um, the president of Iceland, who had just hosted our, uh, who had just hosted the Reykjavik summit between Reagan and Gorbachev, uh, she uh, was the honorary chairperson, and with her assistance, we had videotaped messages from President Reagan, and also through other channels, we had a videotape message from Pope John Paul II. And that uh, was a phenomenal conference. Uh, most people in attendance felt it was the best conference they'd ever been to. And uh, it changed the way uh, people began to look at tourism. It had a significant effect on uh, most of the people that were there. Uh, effects on the way ecotourism was approached, for example. Mm -hmm. And and it was at that conference that uh, uh, the idea of sustainable tourism was, was first introduced. So, you know, kind of going, uh, circling back to some of the things you said, uh, you were talking about, when actually, in your mind, did, did peace the word peace or the concept of peace actually enter into the conversation about tourism and travel? It, it, the first entrance actually was with the Manila Declaration in 1980, which stated in part that, uh, and this was a declaration of the uh, World Tourism Organization, and uh, that stated in part that tourism potentially could be a vital force for peace. And we, we picked up on that with our conference in 1988. And uh, with that, um, uh, the academics at the conference began to introduce the idea of peace through tourism in their classes. Our credo of the peaceful traveler mm -hmm. uh, was introduced with that conference, and that has been promoted uh, through travel agents and others uh, throughout the world. Uh, so I, I, I think it, it, it did begin with our conference in 1988. So in, in the travel industry itself, can you share how you actually, the mechanics of working with, uh, with other travel agents and tour operators? Well, as, as a specific example, uh, <clears throat> we partner with ASTA in their travel trade shows. We are one of their sponsors. And... Um, we, we have some 40 uh, major international organizations who are tourism, who are members of our coalition of partners for mm -hmm. world peace through tourism. Uh, this uh, leads into some of our ideas uh, in terms of how tourism does contribute to peace. Uh, one, one of those partners, for example, is Airline Ambassadors International, Mm -hmm. um, which was started by an airline uh, hostess, Nancy Rivard, in 1990. And they, um, uh, their main membership is uh, members of the airline industry, uh, and, and they conduct missions in different parts of the world, Central America, Southeast Asia, Africa, which 
bring relief, medical supplies, food, and other items to uh, children and their families in, in need in different parts of the world. Um, currently, they um, are sponsoring a cruise for Haiti, which we are supporting. Um, $75 of, of each um, uh, of, of the price of the cruise from, from each passenger will go towards supplies in Haiti. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and this is an ongoing mission of theirs. They were one of the first uh, organizations uh, on site after the uh, earthquake. They were one of the first organizations on site after 9-11 and uh, after Katrina in New Orleans. So this this is one specific way that uh, I, I believe tourism contributes to peace uh, through these volunteer efforts. Uh, some 70,000 Americans last year went overseas uh, uh, as part of a volunteerism project. Mm-hmm. Uh, philanthropic tourism is, is another area. Mm-hmm. Um, an organization that we partner with is called Read International, R-E-A-D. Um, Read International was the uh, insight of uh, a young woman. I wanted to talk about some of the dimensions of peace through tourism. We talk about, uh, on this show, World Footprints, we talk about global citizenship. And, um, you know, every... Every traveler is essentially a um, uh, an ambassador of their country, and um, a, a you know a, a, a um, active global citizen. Um, and I know that's uh, I believe that's one of the uh, dimensions of your organization is uh, that promotion of citizen diplomacy. Yes, it, it certainly is. Uh, let me begin by mentioning what our concept of peace is. Um, from from the beginnings, uh, when we set up the Institute in 1986, uh, we felt it'd be important that we have a positive concept of peace rather than simply peace being the absence of war. And our concept of peace embraces uh, six dimensions, peace within ourselves, peace with others from our neighbors next door to our neighbors in the global village, peace through nature, uh, peace with nature, uh, peace with past generations, uh, all the uh, uh, benefits that have uh, uh, been granted to us by by our ancestors, and this is honored um, uh, through tourism by um, our visits to ancient sites and antiquities. Um, peace with future generations, and if you think of the core essence of sustainable development, the basic concept there would be peace with future generations. Mm -hmm. And finally, uh, peace with our creator, which brings us full circle to peace within ourselves. Mm -hmm. Uh, Specifically within uh, tourism and and the dimensions of uh, how tourism contributes to peace, uh, yes, uh, citizen diplomats is... is, uh, the first of those dimensions, and uh, from very early on, even prior to setting up the Institute, uh, we have promoted the belief that every traveler is potentially an ambassador for peace. Um, going back as far as President Eisenhower 
He believed that uh, peace between nations requires understanding and mutual respect between individuals. And uh, based on that belief, he began the uh, International People to People's Program, uh-huh. which is, continues on to this day uh, under the leadership of his granddaughter. Um, and we spoke about voluntourism, philanthropic tourism. I'm remembering now uh, the name I wanted to remember, Tony Neubauer, who set up Reed. And um, uh, beginning in Nepal, um, some 40 libraries have been established there, community libraries, which mm-hmm. also serve as community centers, uh, centers for outreach, uh, centers where the leaders of the community come together and talk about future uh, initiatives and goals for their communities. And she's now uh, spreading out to other uh, parts of the world. It's a phenomenal mm. concept. She's achieved quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the area of international cooperation, tourism is the one industry that uh, uh, more than any other uh, helps bring about international cooperation. We see it particularly in the Caribbean, where uh, one-third of the GDP of the Caribbean is reliant on tourism, and, and that cooperation in tourism has extended now into environmental areas and as they begin to prepare for, for climate change. Uh, tourism is the only industry mentioned, for example, in the peace accord between Egypt and Israel, and similarly, uh, Jordan and Israel. Mm-hmm. And it also uh, is uh, the one industry that was mentioned in the Oslo Peace Accord between the Palestinians and the Israelis, and I'm sure that'll be something that factors into the current uh, peace talks. Lou, when we think about some of the issues uh, that are before us today, uh, you know, we've, we've, we've touched briefly on poverty, but that's really connected to a larger story with, uh, with the global economy and some of the massive dislocations that have taken place. We've got record unemployment on a global level, never seen at this level with over 200 million people unemployed around the world. And when you mention tourism as the largest industry uh, in, in the world, certainly that's got to be part of the solution Yes, I, I'm pleased that you brought that up. Uh, uh, poverty reduction is another area, I think, that uh, uh, tourism makes a major contribution uh, within the overall concept of peace through tourism. Um, if you consider that in 1950, all but 3% of international travel was accounted for by Europe and uh, North America. Uh, currently, uh, the amount of tourism that goes to uh, the world's developing countries has now reached uh, more than 40%. From, from less than 3% back in 1950, it's, it's now in excess of 40%. Uh, tourism represents about a $225 billion transfer Mm. of wealth from the developed countries of the world to the developing countries of the world. That's more than all of the international aid combined. Uh, it's, a, a, it's a phenomenal contribution that, that uh, is being made to developing countries and, and, 
and therefore to, to the reduction of poverty in these countries. That's a huge uh, number. That's a huge number. It certainly is. And um, for 47 of 50 least developed countries, uh, tourism is the main source of, of foreign exchange. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the whole idea of tourism and poverty reduction was the main focus of our second global summit in, uh, in Geneva in uh, the year 2003. And uh, since 2001, we've had four African conferences where the focus has been primarily uh, the role of tourism in, in poverty reduction. And we're currently planning uh, for our fifth, uh, we will shortly be announcing our fifth uh, uh, African conference, which will be held in, in Zambia. Um, when, 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 will, when is that being scheduled, Lou? Do you have a date it, yet? It'll be sometime in 2011. We, okay. we don't have the specific date. Okay. And, um, Good. I, uh, before we uh, have just a couple of minutes left, but before we go, there's, there's a program um, that really intrigues me, um, and I don't know very much about it, so I'm going to ask you uh, to share a little bit more about it. The Peace Trees Vietnam Program, what exactly is that? Yes, and, and that gets into uh, another dimension of uh, tourism, uh, healing the wounds of conflict. Peace Trees Vietnam is a program that's been uh, going on now for about 12 years. Um, the leader of it is Geraldine Brousseau, and what she does, she began this with her husband, who's since deceased. Uh, they bring uh, specialists into the most heavily mined uh, uh, landmined area of Vietnam, and these bomb specialists uh, uh, defuse the bombs and make the land safe. And then together with members of the community, they plant uh, trees in these areas that were um, uh, previously mined, and, and, and they refer to these as peace trees. When, uh, I, and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I missed, is it north or south Vietnam or, or kind of or across the border? North, north Vietnam. North, north Vietnam. Vietnam, okay. My yeah. goodness, what a what a wonderful uh, program! Yes, it, it certainly is. Well, one, one other dimension, if I might, uh, very quickly, uh, where tourism contributes to peace, and that's peace with nature. Um, a former member of our uh, advisory board was the um, ambassador for the environment of Canada, and he spearheaded the biodiversity convention at the. Uh, Rio Summit in 1992, and he said to me uh, back in those days that the one hope for preserving biodiversity is ecotourism. Tourism has a very major role to play, not only in preserving biodiversity, but in protecting the environment. And Tanzania, just as an example in Africa, about 30% of the land of uh, Tanzania is protected area. national parks, wilderness areas, and so on. And one of the main incentives for doing that is the tremendous uh, uh, potential for these areas to generate tourism revenues through uh, safaris. Thank you so much for being with us today, and uh, we wish you all the best. It was truly a pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. After the break, women's travel tips and fall getaway ideas from the getaway girl, Casey Wall, when World Footprints Radio continues. 
Hey, this is Jay down in New Orleans, and you're listening to the good folks at World Footprints. Want to travel for less? Visit the worldfootprints.com travel portal to find exclusive, non-published sales on travel. Our dynamic travel deals page updates daily with the latest sales from our partners, and you can't find these deals anywhere else. We've seen sales for as little as $9 a night for hotel rooms and $49 airline tickets. So stop by worldfootprints.com to see where you can go for less. Also, make sure you visit the Travel Marketplace for sales on travel essentials and services like passport processing. Hi, I'm Alex from Baltimore, Maryland, and Tanya and Ian brought me to Baltimore by listening to World Footprints Radio. And now, more of World Footprints Radio with your hosts, Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick. Welcome back. Casey Wald, better known as the Getaway Girl, is passionate about two things, her girlfriends and traveling the world. By combining these two loves, Casey reinvented herself by creating a unique city-specific travel guide series for women only worldwide. And I'm pleased to welcome my new BFF to the show. Casey, welcome to World Footprints. Thanks for having me, Tanya. Yeah, my pleasure. And I'm just wondering, you know, what what girlfriends getaway we might go on at one point. <laughs> We're definitely going to have to start planning now. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Now, travel has always um, provided me with a chance to regroup, reassess my life, and recharge my batteries. And, I, and I'll, I'll leave. I'll flee on a trip when things get a little bit too chaotic here in D.C. and you know, or anywhere else. And I, I know that travel for you was also transformative. Talk about how travel transformed your life during a crossroad in your life. Sure. Well, it's, you know, looking back, it's, it's a funny story. It probably wasn't so funny at the time. Um, but I found myself several years ago, uh, I got divorced. And then a couple months later, I was fired from my job which my job, it was, you know, it was definitely my career. I loved what I did, um, put all of my effort into my job, which is probably why, why the marriage fell through, part of it. Um, so as you can imagine, you know, within a couple months, my entire life was, was pretty much turned upside down. I was single and unemployed. So I, I did fall into a depression, um, very, very sad point in my life, and my girlfriends were really the ones that pulled me through. And, mm-hmm. you know, what, one thing I found with them is that we would, we would either do a girls' night out or we would go on different trips to new cities, and it was very reinvigorating, kind of how you mentioned, um, almost like a rejuvenation, if you will, that these new experiences and these new adventures were something that I started to look forward to. And the more we did them, the more... You know, I started planning them and getting into it, and obviously I was the one with no husband and no job, so mm-hmm. I had time to do the planning. So, you know, I thought to myself, well, of course there's books on this. You know, I went to Barnes & Noble, I went to Amazon, and after a lot of searching, I could not find city-specific travel guides for women. Hmm. Hmm. And, and really, I, I understand that the catalyst you know, to to this new venture, this new uh, path for you, was your mom who formed a group back in the day called the PMSers, which I think is a great name. <laughs> <laughs> and your early exposure to this group, you know, really kind of launched this uh, this new track. T- tell us a little bit about that. 
Absolutely. Well, you know, I saw um, I saw this group of women, as you mentioned, the PMSers that my mom's a part of, and they would do trips and they would get together, and you know, everyone would just bring potluck for dinner and drink wine, and that was one thing that I started um, after my divorce was getting women together, and you know, we could just sit around and talk and you know, gossip or talk about what's going on with the celebrities or you know our husbands or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just you know, it was it was something that we all look forward to. So we started doing this once a month. And, and as you mentioned, I, I did kind of um, have the idea from my mom and her friends and saw how important that bond between women really is and that, you know, we're so involved with our jobs and our careers and our kids and our families that I think women are very guilty of not taking time for ourselves. Casey, talk to us about uh, the girlfriend guides and what sets them apart from some of the other guides out there that aren't necessarily focused on women. Sure. Well, you know, one thing, and I think I I told Tanya this before the interview started, is that, you know, I really did my first girlfriend guide kind of as a bucket list thing. Um, It wasn't even something that I really thought, you know, was going to go anywhere. So, uh, you know, a lot of my girlfriends, it was a very collaborative effort with a bunch of women. You know, what size is it going to be? What's the cover going to look like? Actually, one of my friends designed the cover. Um, What do we want to see in the book? You know, what do we as women want to know when we travel? So, all my girlfriends had a lot of input into the first book. So even though my name's on it, I, I definitely feel like it was a collaborative effort. So, you know, it came out two months later, Barnes & Noble called and said, we somehow got your book, we love it, and we want to carry it. And at that point, you know, the light bulb kind of went off. It's like, wait a minute. And everyone in the book world said, this doesn't happen. Barnes & Noble does not call mm-hmm. a self-published author with one book. So at that point, you know, I kind of knew I had something and started writing additional books. But I think what sets it apart is that, that really there was so much input from so many women. So it's really, really geared towards what women are looking for when they travel. You know, where to stay, where to shop, where to spa, you know, where to find side trips. Um, you know, some of the highlights when you travel of, of what you really want to see as a woman. And my biggest pet peeve with travel guides is that a lot of them are so big. You know, you're walking around the town. You look like a tourist because you're carrying the book. Right. And these are small. They're five by seven, and they're compact so that you can just throw them in your purse and pull them back out and, you know, put the pages down. And, um, you know, it's real feedback. It's not like, um, you know, just kind of some canned, oh, here's this hotel. I mean, we've really been there, and we really talk about it, and we're, we're pretty honest about it. We're like, look, you know, if this is what you're looking for, then this is the hotel for you. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a little bit more direct and targeted than most guides. Talk to us about some of the destinations that are in the series right now. The, the two that are actually published right now are Orlando and Key West. I've actually got the Nashville book done, so we're working on getting that published. But what I really love, because a lot of people are like, oh, those are you know not destinations I would have thought of. But what I love doing are the secondary markets. So the markets that people don't really think of, I think Mm -hmm. New York and Las Vegas, you know, those are all pretty obvious destinations for girlfriend getaways. Sure. Um, And I also like proving people wrong. So I like saying, you know what, Orlando is more than Disney World and theme parks. Nashville is more than country music. So I think I love, I gravitate towards those destinations that people have preconceived notions about, and I like to show them the other side of that city. Well, speaking of destinations, I know you you put together a trip for a group of girls, um, women, uh, to South South Walton Beach in, in uh, Florida, and um, and and these were people that you hadn't necessarily met before. So, um, and and I know you've written an article about that, which we've published on our on our website. 
Uh, and uh, and I, I can't tell you how many queries I've gotten from, you know, readers, uh, you know, about this article, about who you are and, um, you know, and, and, and what made this trip so special. So I wanted to ask you from your perspective, what made this trip so special? Wow. This was, as you mentioned, it was a neat trip. I actually, you know, when you think of a girlfriend getaway, you really think of, you know, people that know each other. And I received an email several months ago from a woman who um, actually resides up in North Florida. And she told me the story about her friend Sandra, who had some very difficult times happen to her recently in her life. Her only son um, passed away from cancer after a four-year battle. He was 13 years old. Two weeks after her son died, her husband left her for another woman. Then the other woman started stalking her, and they had to press charges and go through all that. So Sandra had had it really rough for a while. And so uh, the woman who emailed me, Jenny Ann, she you know, just said, is there anything you can do to help us? And I wasn't really sure what exactly I wanted to do, but I knew I did want to help them. And it just coincidentally happened that I got an offer to, to go on a, a trip up to the Panhandle, Florida, to the beach up there, which is absolutely beautiful. And uh, I called the, the people who extended the offer to me, and I said, you know, can I bring some women? And I told them the story, and they said, absolutely, we'd love to have them. So uh, we ended up going on a girlfriend getaway. I, I went with a friend of mine, and then I met Jenny Ann and Sandra mm. and Becky up there, who I'd never met. I didn't, I didn't even know what they looked like. I mean, I should have at least tried to you know, look for them <laughs> on Facebook, but I didn't even do that. And, and we hadn't even really talked on the phone. We, it, was, it was all via text message and emails. And got there and absolutely fell in love with these women. They are so vivacious and were so excited and, you know, I, I start taking for granted the fact that I travel so much mm-hmm. and you know, I get to do amazing things and sharing it with people who don't get to do it every day, it was, it was just so reinvigorating for me. It was almost like, you know, I was doing it for the first time myself. I mean, we ziplined, we went paddle boarding, we took a, a gourmet cooking class. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, just like you, Tanya, you know, you get to travel and, and see amazing things. And to share that with people who don't, I it, know. It's, just, it's so much fun. What well, kind of puts it in perspective, you know, and, 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 and makes you appreciate the, the opportunity more. And, and I think even with, you know, friendships, to travel with people who, um, I mean, you know, a lot of people underestimate the, the power of a, a good friend, of friendships, and particularly women. Um, and there's so much strength in those, those, those female relationships that, that we build, you know, whether it's with somebody that we've known for our, our entire lives or somebody we just met, um, there's, there's a lot of power there. And, and it's very empowering and liberating to just be, you know, with, with, with your friends. And I think that's what you experienced on, on this trip. Am I right? Absolutely. And, you know, I always say that you learn so much about yourself when you travel. And I think just being around these women, and especially Sandra, you know, I, I went through a difficult time in my life, but it was nothing compared to what she went through. Mm-hmm. And like you said, the strength that you gain from them. I mean, I have three amazing new friends. I mean, we, we email, we stay in touch, we're on Facebook. Um, you know, and these are going to be friends for life that I've made. And it was just such a great experience and, you know, one that I never in a million years. Of course, everyone is like, what do you mean you're going on this trip with people that you don't even know? <laughs> are you crazy? I mean, my mom is like, are you sure about this? Um, and it, it's literally one of the best decisions I've ever made because I just got that feeling through the email that this was genuine and that these were real people Mm -hmm. that really wanted to get away for the right reasons. You know, they didn't just want a free trip or they just didn't want, you know, to kind of, you know, 
bum around with someone who travels a lot. They genuinely needed that girlfriend getaway experience, and, and I was more than happy to help them with that. Casey, you mentioned that uh, you've got a national guide that's on its way as well. Talk to us about what's in that and what uh, readers can expect from that and maybe some of the transformational travel opportunities that you've identified through that guide. Sure. Well, you know, I love Nashville, Tennessee. I mean, everyone, um, if people who've been there, you know, absolutely fall in love with it. People who haven't been there have the stereotype of what Nashville is. And it's just such a neat town. And I, I think what, what sealed the deal for me with Nashville is that while I was going through this period, one of the, the places, one of the cities that we did visit was Nashville. And mm-hmm. I got a chance to meet some up-and-coming singer-songwriters. And, you know, these guys, and, and women, but most of the, the people that I met were guys, they have this dream that they are going to be singer-songwriters. And they literally, the stories that they tell are like, they're incredible. They're like, you know, I packed up my car when I was 18 and I had $200 and I moved to Nashville because if I couldn't be a country music singer, then I don't want to be anything. Hmm. And it really shed a lot of light for me. It's like, you know, I have this idea, and this is, again, back when I had this idea for the Girls Getaway Guide. And you know what? If I don't do it, I'm always going to look back and say, what if? Mm-hmm. And I never wanted to do that. So a lot of those people in Nashville that are following their dreams and their passions, you know, even though it may be an unconventional approach to life, you know, it's not a regular 9-to-5 job, they truly inspired me to, you know, at least pursue this idea that I had. And, you know, if nothing else, I couldn't look back when I'm 80 and say, what if? You know, when you follow your passion... And, and, you know, a lot of our currency is in our ideas. And when you follow that and, and it's something you're passionate about, everything else will follow. And so, um, I, you know, my hat's off to you. My hat's off to those young men and women you met in, in Nashville. And, and that happens to be a city Ian and I are very uh, much in love with and, and, and actually considered moving there at, at one point. <laughs> uh, but uh, but uh, so I look forward to, to, having that, uh, to having that book released. When will it be released? Oh, gosh. We're hoping um, early next year. We're hoping. Now, um, we're now entering, Casey, one of my favorite seasons. Um, I, I love the fall. You know, the colors. Uh, of course, September is my birthday month, so I'm a little bit biased there. Um, but, you know, there's there's so many great opportunities to travel without the crowds, um, the summer crowds. Do you have some uh, some suggestions for people that people can try and and uh, are there any good deals that you've become aware of out there absolutely and and i, I you know as, as you know tanya i do um i do a tv segment too and one of the things they tell me they like we love having you because you come with you know not the typical destinations that fall under the topic so um for fall i've got a couple picks um portland oregon mm-hmm. is a great place to visit um, one of my you know, favorites too yeah beautiful city you know, they've got the deciduous trees that, that change color, but they also have the lush evergreens. So, you know, you still have that greenery. Um, the food there is incredible, as you well know. Yes. They have a great <laughs> culinary scene. Um, and a lot, you know, right now in the fall, you're going to see stuff, you know, the pumpkins and the butternut squash and the gourds, the wild salmon and the albacore tuna. Um, and also, one of my favorites, it's the fourth largest wine-producing region in, mm. in the country mm-hmm. with more than 400 wineries. So you get some amazing wine, you get the great culinary scene, and this fall, um, Portland Travel Portland is offering the Portland Perks Package. Uh-huh. 
So if you go to their website, you can get like extra values like two-for-one dinners or two-for-one ticket theaters or free admission to some of their attractions. And Oregon has no sales tax. Mm -hmm. So you automatically save up to 10% on your hotel stays, and it's a great place to start your Christmas shopping. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So that's one of my picks. My other is, of course, which we, um, we, you know, if you're a leaf peeper, you know, you may want to see a different kind of leaf. So I tell people Costa Rica is a great place to visit right now. This is their rainy season, and Mm -hmm. the Marriott Costa Rica collection is offering 50% off savings on room plus daily included spa treatments. Mm, oh my goodness yeah so it's a really good time to go their green season runs through november and rates start at 276 per night which is just incredible plus you get adventure tours and everything else so you know a lot of people i know love to see the fall leaves change colors but you know it's a great way to go see see the rainforest mm-hmm. um and you can go you can still do your activities in the morning so you can do your sightseeing and you know, your zip lining and your, your rainforest hiking. And then in the afternoon when it rains, that's when you can have your downtime and your spa treatment. Speaking of travel deals, are there any things out there for guys who might be looking to do some things this fall? That's a great question, Ian. And, <laughs> Not you know, to feel left out, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I, know, I do. Ian out. Um, that's a great question. And I get that a lot from the guys. They're like, well, you write these great guides for women, but what about us? So <laughs> there are, there are some, some good options for the guys out there right now. Um, obviously, one of place, you know, when you think guys or mancations, you think of golf. Mm-hmm. And Palm Beach Gardens, Florida, or the PGA National Resort and Spa, just underwent $65 million renovation. So not only was this resort incredible before, it's even better now. And it's got some of the best golf in the country, hands down. And in addition to that, you can do you know your sport fishing or your bass fishing. There's a lot of water sports. Mm-hmm. And they're offering a great escape and play package. Starts at $199 per person per night. It's unlimited golf each day, a complimentary golf lesson, and daily breakfast and two-for-one cocktails, which, you know, aren't so bad. Oh, my. Oh, <laughs> that my. That sounds like a winner, and you can always get in some of that deep-sea fishing uh, there in Palm Beach, uh, which is always a, a great spot to visit. Definitely. And, you know, there's other things. I mean, Indianapolis is a great place, sports capital of the world. Mm-hmm. So if you're into race cars and, you know, NCAA, you know, Final Four basketball tournaments, that's a great place to go. I, I tell guys, Pepplona Spain for the running of the bulls mm-hmm. is a great place to go. That's every July. And I've talked to a lot of guys who have done that. I mean, I talked to one guy. He's done it for the past 15 years every year. And then, of course, if you're looking for some serious deep-sea fishing and some adventure, uh, Los Cabos, Mexico is a great place to go. Uh, you, you, you've named a lot of uh, a lot of things on our top ten list as well. So I appreciate uh, appreciate those affirmations. <laughs> um, well, Casey, thank you so much for for joining us today. Thank you both so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. We hope you enjoyed our show today, and we always look forward to spending quality travel time with you each and every week. And we look forward to connecting with you during the week on our social networks and uh, Stitcher, and even uh, sharing some news with you from our newsletter and all things that you can sign up for at our website worldfootprints.com we're tanya and ian fitzpatrick and we'll see you on the air again next week same time same frequency and until then we wish you blue skies and purposeful travel that leaves positive footprints one step at a time hi guys my name is sandy best 
the Sandy Best from Lake Louise. Where's Lake Louise? It's in Alberta. Alberta's in Canada. Banff National Park. Natural beauty. The only place you should go with is World Footprints Radio. Because they spend their time looking at those special places that are not tourist traps. There are not thousands of people. For the best on the planet, go with World Footprints Radio. World Footprints Radio is a presentation of Travel and On Media Productions, LLC. All rights reserved.